I want to, uh, I do want to, I want to quash the rumors of my demise from my wife, apparently. Uh, everybody, <laughs> I've gotten so many people, gotten so many people come to me this week. Mike, are you doing okay? No, I'm, I'm, I'm almost dead, as per, according to her, is what it, you know. So yes, I am in great shape. I know, I'm, I'm, I, I, uh, I have the shape of a fat man, and so it's great, you know, uh, but... Yeah, I, uh, I, the reason why I bring this up is because I do, I want you guys to know something as, uh, um, you, you guys, have, I've always shared with you guys things that have happened in the past and my blood pressure and stuff like that, all issues that I still deal with today. So I still medicate for blood pressure. I, uh, I'm easily stressed. If you guys don't know that, um, I will tell you is that, uh, kind of compounding to the stress this week, uh, just to be completely and honest and transparent with you. This week, the Solano Dream Center, which happens to be a subsidiary of The Edge right now, uh, uh, completed the management acquisition of the Christian Help Center in Vallejo. So our little church runs a 100-bed shelter down in Vallejo. And so kind of the, sh the, the I got a pretty amazing thing, right? Um, and, uh, and so we... Lots of things are happening, right? And so when you look at this and go, Mike is spinning the plate of church. Mike is spinning the plate of a shelter. Mike is spinning the plate of a coffee shop and this and that. Guys, when I tell you, when you see that sign that just came up here and said, the harvest is plentiful, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are what? Sign up. I got something for you to do. Believe me. <laughs> Believe me, I got something for you to do. I, I mean, it could be as simple as answering telephones. It could be as simple as uh, just being a sounding board for somebody. It could be as simple as praying for other people. Guys, there is so much prayer that needs to be, that needs to be happening in our community, in our area. And so <laughs> my stress is I need your help. That's what my stress is. Just letting you know. Okay. So if you guys want to know what's wrong with Mike, Mike needs your help. I need you praying for me. And I need you to start stepping in and going, I'm going to reach this harvest because God said it's plentiful out there and I'm going to do it. I'm going to step into it. So that's, that's what I, uh, I would ask and that's what I need for you. All right. We're in this series called Our House. And so what we're talking about here is we're talking about the church. We're talking about what the church should look like. And should all, we're also talking about how God is interacting in our lives. What is God in our lives or what is God in the church? And the first week of this, we started talking about how God is merciful, but we tend not to be merciful. We tend to be, we tend to be very, very, if you sin against me, well, I'm very upset about it, right? And, and it's almost unforgivable. It doesn't matter what you did, it's almost unforgivable. And as a church, we tend to kick people out that sin against us. That's what happens. We, we take people and we just go, nope, you're unworthy of being here. And the problem is, None of us are really worthy of being here, right? None of us are really worthy. And then last week, we talked about how God is trustworthy. Um, today, we're going to talk about the most widely believed attribute of God, but also the most doubtful attribute of God. Okay, so you should, you should understand this. It's the most widely believed attribute. It's also the most doubted attribute. And so there, and the reason why that... Uh, uh, we feel that way is because some of us question God's motives, God's intentions, and we have a we have a hard time believing that God is love. 
That's what we have a hard time believing. And the fact that God is loving, and more specifically that God is a loving Father, bothers a lot of us. It does. It does. It's a struggle for us. It's one of these things that we struggle so much with because we, think, we look and we go, if God is a loving Father, how could be what's happening in Ukraine right now? How could somebody be getting sick? How could my best friend get cancer? How could my mom die? How could this happen? And how could these? And that's how we get to. And those words, loving father, by the way, can cause some tension, right? You guys know that loving father can cause some tension, right? Uh, excuse me. As a, as a pastor, I hear problems over and over and over again. And I see people walking through issues that could actually be solved if they wouldn't have had such an unhealthy relationship with their earthly father. See, if you wouldn't have had such an unhealthy relationship with your earthly father, your heavenly father has a whole different relationship with you. See, most of us, we walk into church with daddy issues. Most of us walk into church with daddy issues, and we're going to talk about them. Okay, today we're going to talk about daddy issues. See, our key verse today is found in 1 John 3, 1. And, and here's what it says. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of who? Yeah. Of God. And that is what we are. Each one of us, that he's lavished so much love upon us that we, are get, we get to be called his children. But not only that, that is actually what we are. So, the verse causes so many different issues, and it's interesting to me because there's two different type of people that read this, and they read it in two different very ways, right? You have the shouters that are going, yes, that is who I am. I'm a child of God. And then you have the doubters. And if they go, if my heavenly father loved me, why is all of this happening to me? And they... That's how they get to. Why? And then you also have this mindset. You also have other people that go, why would he love me? Why, how could he love this? You know, and as we talk about a loving father, you, it may raise up some issues. See, perhaps when you were growing up, you had a great dad. He showed up at every game. He spent time with you fishing. He played silly games. He did a whole lot of stuff to help you create really good memories. But maybe some of you didn't have that, right? Maybe some of you didn't have that. And just thinking about that brings up bad feelings and feelings of pain and hurt. And see, what, what you have to do is regardless of how you grew up, with any earthly relationship, you have to acknowledge that that's going to shape your heavenly relationship. You, you have to, it's going to shape that. And see, as, it, as we look at that, it can cause these issues. We can see God in the wrong way, and it can create daddy issues with God. I can do that. It can create these issues where he... So here's what I want to do, and I want you to write... So I wrote this down because I wanted to make sure that I quoted it exactly as I thought it. And it says, today I want to talk to you, whoever has questioned God's love. Any of you have ever questioned God's love? And if you've ever wondered or doubted if God loved you, if you desperately search for approval, affirmation, or acceptance, or perhaps you need to know someone who actually loves you, then this message today is for you. And that's what it's for. And if you're watching at home, 
And if you're not surrounded with people, I want you to know is that God loves you. God loves you. And, and, and see, the, the point that we come to church together is because we help express this love to one another in a setting. Hebrews 10.25 tells us very clearly, do not forsake meeting together so that we can build one another up. So we can help one another. So we can share the love with one another. So we can help give to one another. So we can help affirm one another. So we can help approve one another. All of the things that a father does, that's what the church is supposed to do. And you can't do it sitting at the comfort of your couch, by the way. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work through an affirmation through a textbook or a text message or a Facebook message or Facebook messenger or whatever you're using at home to see that you're connected to the world. You're not actually connected because you're not affirming, approving, and helping build one another up. That's why we feel that God doesn't love us sometimes because we're not part of the family connected. How can a father that loves me, how can somebody who be that way? And, and, and I don't know. When I think about dads, <laughs> it makes me think of my dad. You see, here's the thing. You should understand something is that my father was not in the picture, right? So I was born, and, and my mom, she didn't want to be a wife. She had no desire for that. She had no desire to be this affirmary, this, this, she, she wouldn't want to settle down. And so what I ended up with is I ended up with, uh, I ended up with my, my father, who then was like, hey, if you're not, you don't want to be with me, then I'm going to go someplace else. And I ended up kind of with my mom having a cycle of men, and I'm not saying that it was like every week or anything like that. She wasn't doing that stuff. But there wasn't nobody permanent in her life to where I had somebody to look up to as a father. And then when there was somebody permanent in her life, it was terrible. They were alcoholics. They beat up on one another. They, you know, they, they, there was anger in the house. There was always shouting. Nobody was ever sober. It was a terrible environment terrible environment and so I look back and I go those are the type of issues that but I grew up in the golden age of TV when leave it to beaver was still on <laughs> so I used to look at Ward Cleaver and be like that's what dad's supposed to look like no. I'm not that old I'm not, no 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 it was it was on repeat on Nick at night by the way I mean I was like hey, wait a minute here you ain't that old to watch that life right, so so I watched I did, I, get, I got to experience and I watched and I saw that as a father. But then I also saw family ties and I also saw growing pains and I also saw those ones and you look at, you, you, I mean, just start looking at them. You start looking at Alan Thicke and you start looking at the, you start looking at that family and you start seeing, you know, that's what it's supposed to look like. Never saw it. I don't, I've never seen it today either, by the way. I've never, never actually walked into somebody's house and they were like, it, it was perfect. I've never seen that, you know, but but as you look at it and you saw it, that's what my disillusion was. And then I was raised Catholic. And so I was raised as that if I'm not perfect, I'm going to hell. And this is what a perfect family looks like. Everything's all in order. Everything's perfect. Everything's this. So I had this whole disillusion mindset of a, of a family. And we grew up poor. And so I was like, well, we're not taking care of one another. And we're it was just so all of these things that was just terrible. I, I, you know, I remember though that I was connected with coaches. I played baseball, I played football. And, and so those are family relationships that, that started bonding for me. I, I remember, I remember <laughs> trying out for, for baseball, you know, so I, I played on the travel team. And when I tried out, 
I must have thought I was fast. <laughs> I really wasn't. You got to understand. Small. Not small as in, uh, as in width-wise. I was small as in height-wise. And uh, yeah, it was Michael. You know, if you see Michael running around here, just like that. And so, so uh, my wife thinks that it's funny how I run. She's all, you run, your legs move very fast, but your upper body doesn't move at all. And, and, uh, and so, uh, so when I tried out for baseball, I, I ran, for, you know, you hit the ball and you got to run and they would time you. And I would think that I was like, oh man, I nailed that. And the coach came to me, coach came to me in a loving manner and said, hey, stop running. <laughs> and I said, I said, why? He's all. He's all, nobody should even time you. He's all, everybody's going to recruit you because you're a power player and you're going to, that's just what it's going to be. So the whole line came out. And, and so it helped me become a little more honest. It helped me become, the problem is, is that he was brutally honest with me and it made me become brutally honest with others, right? Is that, you see how it kind of happens is that these relationships happen this way. And, and then I grew up in an environment where, I, you know, my mom worked all night, and so she slept all day, so I was kind of in, and we didn't live in the best neighborhood, and so it was kind of hoodish, it was like the white hood, not the, you know, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a new show, yes, yeah, we're, it's going to be on CW next year, the white hood, and, 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 and uh, and so as I got to, and I grew up there, so I was always kind of running, I was running the streets and causing a muck with these guys that they were kind of part of the people that helped, that I would look up to. Everybody was older than I was because I was staying out later than I should have been because I was hanging out with the wrong crowd and I was doing all those things. And so they all became father figures and it really distorted my view of what a father should look like. It did. It, it distorted. And so let, let's, let's go down here. And I want you to look at how Jesus interacts with a father. And so we're going to go to Luke 40. I gave it to you in your notes. It's all, we're going we're gonna to spend, we're going to look at 840, by the way. I'm sorry. Luke 8, verse 40. And we're going to spend a little, it's a long section that we're going to go through. So, so here's what it says, right? Luke 840. No, no. It says, on the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. The man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. Okay? As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years. See that number? 12 years old? 12 years, right? 12 years of suffering. It's important that you recognize this as well. And with consistent bleeding, she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. You know, Jesus comes around. I like to imagine, because I grew up, I grew up in a, in a San Francisco neighborhood. I like to imagine, who touched me? You know, like I like to imagine that's how he turned around. That's exactly how he says it, though. He says, who touched me? Jesus asked. And everyone denied it. That's what scripture says. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. So here's the thing <laughs> she's caught. The gig is up. Right? He, he, like, she, he, it's like I, I, she, he knows somebody touched me. He knows. So, verse 47. It says, 
When the, when the woman realized she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell at his feet, and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explanation of why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Verse 48, this is where the key thing gets here. It says, daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And see here, we need to break this down a little bit. There's an earthly father with a dying daughter. Okay? And he does what every good father would do. If you had a 12-year-old and she was dying, you would do everything you could to save her. Everything that you could possibly do. You would do whatever it takes. Anybody? I mean, just think about it. You would do whatever you could do. Have you seen the movie with Denzel Washington where he takes over a hospital and he goes, hey, John Q., Obviously, somebody's seen it. <laughs> Have you seen that? Yeah. Well, you know, when you see that, you start to think, and you start to go, this is what it looks like. This is what, it, uh, uh, he would do whatever he does. And see, he would even, even if he was an unbeliever, if you're, just think about this, unbelievers go to Jesus at that moment. They do. When you're sitting there and the doctor tells you, you have stage four cancer, unbelievers go to Jesus. When you're sitting there and this is happening, an unbeliever, somebody who's a Jew that does not believe in Jesus, goes to Jesus and goes, I've heard all of these things. I, I, I believe. I believe that if anybody can do it, you can do it. And Jesus agrees to go with him and he starts walking with him, but then he stops. He stops there. And this is, can you imagine? Could you imagine being, if you're the father, right? Can you imagine? You go to Jesus, Jesus gets in the car with you, or he's driving the car at this point now, right? He gets in the car, he's driving, because obviously it's Jesus. He goes, I'm driving, and you go, okay, I'm getting in the pastor's seat. And you start heading to the hospital to go save your daughter, and Jesus pulls into in and out and it's got a long line around the outside of it. <laughs> he wants to get burger, fries, he wants a chocolate shake, and he hears that, he hears that in and out has that John 3.16 at the bottom of the cup, and he's like, I gotta check this out to make sure that everybody knows. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? How would you be as the father sitting in the passenger seat? You'd be like, hey, Jesus, <laughs> is this necessary? <laughs> Couldn't we wait a little while longer for this? Couldn't we wait until like, uh, like after you did the saving part of this? You know, couldn't, you, couldn't, couldn't we take care of that? Jesus, I'm hungry. I got to pierce this. <laughs> you know, and see, one must believe that Jairus was at least a little disappointed in Jesus at that point. Because he'd just been told, wait. He was a little disappointed. And, and I think that maybe he was even a little disillusioned. He was even like, hey, what, what, you know, and see, he probably could have came to a conclusion at that, moment, at that one moment and said, huh, maybe he's not going to do this for me. Maybe he's not going to do this for me. And, and, and his view of Jesus probably changed a little bit at that point. He's like, I'm just not even important. It's not even, it doesn't even matter. And, and see, this can happen to us. Maybe it was your dad who called you a sissy as you were crying. Don't be a sissy. I've said it to my son. I have. I look back and I go, oh my gosh. Maybe, maybe it could be that you were raised with an absent father. He just wasn't there. Maybe, maybe he was there, but he worked all the time and he wasn't there still. Maybe you never got to know your dad. Maybe it's mom. Maybe you never got to know your mom. 
Maybe it, perhaps it's a coach, a teacher, a friend, a parental figure, somebody that hurt you, somebody that did something to you that hurt you, and you became disappointed and disillusioned. That's what happened. And so there's three earthly relationships that can impact a view of our Father, right? This is what happens. And there's a lie, and then there's a truth of God's Word. So the lie is God is judgmental. He judges me by my mistakes. That's what he, and then the truth is, God is compassionate. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. That's Psalms 103.13. There's a lie. Is that God is angry. By the way, it's the next slide back there. He said, and he's waiting for me to mess up. Right? And the truth is, is that God is patient. Right? And it says, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord is compassionate and and a gracious God, slow to anger, abandoning in love, abounding in love and faithfulness. It's Exodus 34, 6. There's a lie. God is hateful. There is no way that he can love someone like me. And the truth is, is that God is full of love. And so Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his great love for, by sending Christ Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners. See, my hope is, is that as we walk through the scripture today, you would know that God is a loving father. Is that what, that's my hope. So let's go back to our story, these two daughters, right? The 12-year-old is sick, dying, no control over her situation, can't get up, can't get to Jesus, but, dad, but has a dad who can. The woman who has been suffering for 12 years, abandoned, afflicted with disease, casted out, 12 years without experiencing basic human touch, by the way. So you got to understand something. She was ceremonially unclean. It's something, so if you, if you go back into old scripture, you go back into Leviticus, it says... That if somebody is bleeding, you can't touch them. So she's for 12 years, she's been in this state where she's experienced nobody coming up and going, I love you. Let me give you a hug. Do you know that without human contact that people start to, to retreat, they become hermits, they become they become depressed, and it actually leads to psychosis? It leads to psychosis. Without human touch, People are led to psychosis. 12 years, no human touch. No one even comes to Jesus on her behalf and says, hey, can you come, can you come talk to, can you come help heal? Nobody comes and goes, hey, my friend, my, my ex-girlfriend, the crazy chick down the street. Nobody shows up and says, can you come help heal her? She's been, she's been alone. She's been, she's been afflicted with this for 12 years. Both needed healing, or they would otherwise die. See, the truth is that no matter where you are, there's times in our lives where people say and do things that hurt us. It could be your dad, it could be a coach, it could be a coworker, a boss, someone who thought you were a friend, and those words linger and require healing. And see, so that can only come through the loving and the, 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 the embrace of our Father in Heaven. You know, we, we think that we can find it here on heaven, or on Earth, but it's only that we find it through the loving embrace of our Father, what's happened through where? Through the church. That's why we're called to come together. We're called to come together and be a loving embrace for one another. And I think that we forget this. This is why we've talked about what the church is supposed to be. 
The church is supposed to be a, a place where those that are outcast, those that are shunned, those that feel alone, those that have been alienated, those that, are, that have been uh, <laughs> considered the outcasts of the world, the ones that Jesus spent time with should come. See, the problem is we don't open the doors to them. We go, oh, no, 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 no. You have to be this, or you have to be that, or it has to be this, or we have to, we put all these things in place instead of going, come on, come meet Jesus. Let me go pray for you. Come on, come meet who this Jesus is. We just don't do it. We get so caught up in, in, in our things that we've stopped to be the, we've stopped being the church, not just the building of the church, right? That's what we talk about. Oh, this is the sanctuary and the building of the church. No, no, no. We've stopped being the church. We've stopped being the one that, that represents Jesus. We've stopped being the one that offers that loving embrace. We've stopped being the one that, keeps, that helps those that have been alienated. We've stopped that. As we talk about our house, you know, this one here, you can't see it on screen, but maybe you can, I don't know. This one looks pretty good. If you look down here, it, looks, it, it doesn't look like it's in shambles, which most of our lives look like they're in. Our, our lives, you could, you, you, you could have the best facade, it could look perfect, right? But in reality, the foundation is a little jacked up. You know, have you ever seen Flip or Flop, or have you ever seen any of those shows? Have you ever watched Flip in Vegas? Any of those things, right? you watched any of those shows. You can't watch the, the Chip and Joanne Gaines one because everything is perfect for them. They all come out, everything just works out magical. But, but I've seen some. Yeah, everything's got shiplap on it, too. It's like, hey... They don't know what to do without it. And, but here's the thing. You ever see when they make a mistake and they buy one that has a bad foundation? You ever see when you watch it, they go, they go, they get into it, they start, they get their home, they, they buy it uninspected. They get it, all of a sudden, they walk into it and the, the foundation, like the house is literally split in two pieces. You know, what do they do? They go, <laughs> well, we got to dump this. We got to get rid of it. We got to do all we can and just dump it to where nobody, we gotta, we got to figure out a way to make it to where we don't take a huge loss here. See, that's the problem is that as church leaders and as church attenders and as the church, the people of the church, that's what we've done with people with bad foundations. i got to figure out how I can dump you as fast as possible because you're going to be a loss for me. That's what we've done. And I, we can all say, no, I've never done that. But we have. Somebody's alienated you. Somebody said something about you. Somebody did something you didn't like. Somebody, and you casted them away. You're like, I don't talk to them anymore. I don't talk to those folks. Why? Because they didn't fit into the box I wanted them to fit into. Because they didn't fit into, they didn't, they didn't do what I wanted them to do. They didn't have a good foundation. They didn't, ha you know, their foundation was built on, you know, methamphetamines, cocaine, stuff. And see, that's what Jesus is going. I want those. Because that's who I can help. I can help those that have bad foundations. I can help those and restore them and bring them back. And, and we've gotten so caught up in going, no, 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 no. They have to have a good foundation. Jesus is going, I want them to have a good foundation. Because that foundation that they think that they're standing on, that's solid, is actually it's just like sand. You know, and so we have to change this. So how do we experience the love of the Father? What do we do? And I gave you the answers here. That's not the next slide, though. I can tell you that now. So, uh, he walks with us. So you'll have to find wherever that one is. See, see, Jesus walks with Jairus heading to the house to heal his daughter. Whatever your situation is, 
if you're on the mountaintop, if you're in the valley, he walks with you. And he says, yes, I will go with you. Scripture says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I, I, I mean, it's literally, this is what he tells us. And then, so many people are walking with the Lord alone, or just walking alone. So many people are just walking alone. They get some bad news, a family member gets sick, a friend betrays you, or maybe something else happens. Maybe you even get a promotion, right? You get a promotion at work, and you don't even have anybody to celebrate with. Somebody show, you, go, you go to work, and they go, hey, we're going to promote you to this. And you go, yes, that's what I've been working for. And you get home, and you go, I don't even have anybody to talk to about it. I can't even call. Who am I going to tell that I got promoted? Who am I going to share this joy and experience? You know, what am I going to do? See, walking alone sucks. I'm telling you. Now, there's times where I like walking alone. Like, I like going out in the nature. But I'm not walking alone. I'm spending time with Jesus. I'm not walking alone. But see, when Jesus walks with you, you it totally changes everything. There's something special walking with someone who loves you. Something special about it. See, I want you to know something. If you're going to walk with somebody, walk with somebody who loves you. Right? If you're going to walk with somebody, walk with somebody who loves you. I just want you to think about this. Melissa and I walk together, right? And see, if I get some bad news, if something happens, I get some bad news, she encourages me. Right? That's just what happens. Something happens, she encourages me. I get sick, she helps take care of me. Right? And then I tell the church, hey everybody, want to let you know. So, when somebody else gets sick, she'll pray with me for them. Right? Something happens, a friend betrays me, happens a lot in ministry, she comforts me. But I, you know, I get a win here at church, we go and party together. You know, that's what happens. We get to celebrate that way. You, you see, that's the thing, is that when you walk with somebody you love, you get to go, you get to enjoy that time. See, I get to say thank you, Melissa, for walking with me through all those things. I get to say thank you, Jesus, for being there. See, he walks, he walks with us, right? That's what he does. Number two, he stops for us. He stops for us. He does. Jesus stopped for the woman with the issue of blood. All the way back in Genesis, Jesus worked for, or God works for six days, and he rests, and he stops. That word, <laughs> Sabbath, is to cease. If you guys didn't know that, that's what that word means, to cease, to stop. So, I, I want to be, be very, very clear with you. Very, very clear. If you're not taking a Sabbath, you're working yourself to death. doesn't matter doesn't matter what you can see. So in, in here, let's go. Let's, we're just going to go back to the root word of a Sabbath. Stop. Okay? Sabbath doesn't mean go walk around Disneyland. Sabbath doesn't mean go to Six Flags. Sabbath doesn't mean go walk in nature. Sabbath doesn't mean go. So it's the one day where you get to watch Netflix all day long and go, it's my Sabbath. That's what it is. Now, every other day, turn that TV off and get to work. I, so I gotta be, I'm being completely honest with you. If you look at the biblical definition, they didn't have TVs back then, by the way. So they, they, they never once does it say they Netflix and chilled. But 
But when you watch, when you look at them, they worked from sunup to sundown. That's what they did. They got up in the morning. They went to work. They came home, and they, they ate dinner together. They had a family time. And in fact, if you look at what Scripture says, they ate together with their neighbors so that nobody had a deed. That's what it says. They ate together. They talked about God. They talked about Jesus. They spent time with one another. It's a simpler time. They didn't rush home to sit in front and watch whatever was on Hulu or on cable or whatever else and completely disassociate themselves with the world. They actually went and they, they, they spent time with their family. I love when I talk to my father-in-law and he tells me about what would happen. It, it, he grew up in Kentucky. Okay, so you should understand when he was growing up, they didn't really have indoor plumbing. Well, they did. It's not where he lived at, right? So if they didn't have indoor plumbing, just think that they probably didn't have all the luxuries that you have now, right? So when you get there, if you think about all those simple things that they would spend time at night reading the Bible together, that's what they would do. What sort of foundation are you building for your children if you allow them to spend all day long on YouTube watching God knows what because you don't filter it all and they come out and they start saying things. I, so my, my office at home is in our backyard and, and there's, we have these back neighbors and um, I have to be very careful what I say because people watch this message that I have no idea are watching it and all of a sudden my house gets eggs and stuff like that. But, but here's the thing is that the music they listen to, the videos they watch, how they interact with one another, you can tell that the foundation is not being built on solid ground. You know, you can just tell. I sit there and I listen to it and I go, oh my gosh, this is why, have you guys seen the mob of bicyclists that ride through town here? Have you guys seen it? They get like 50 deep and they start pedaling through town. So, <laughs> I, uh, they have no regard for anything that's happening in this world. And it's because, guess what? There's no foundation being laid. The foundation is being laid through YouTube or by whatever else is happening. And I'm not be, I, I, what I want you to know is I'm doing my best not to be judgmental here at all, right? Because I, I, but I just look and I go, it's actually a terrible situation because it tells you is that their parents aren't there and they're, it, it, they're not. It, what do you think that their, their view of, of their father in heaven is going to look like? What do you think it's going to look like? There's, it just doesn't exist there. And, and so, so I, I, <laughs> I want you to know I want to just go back to this because I'm way off on my own little tangent. Let's go back to this. A Sabbath means to stop. Spend a day and rest. Spend a day with your family. Spend a day. It's okay to fire up the barbecue and cook some meals. That's fine. It's fine. But start finding this time where you turn off the TV and start spending time at home. And, do, and You don't have to work seven days a week. You don't have to pack your schedule that way. But find your day of rest. Find a day where you can just sit there and be like, oh, I'm not doing anything. I'm just gonna, this is what my day of rest is going to look like. You don't even have to do laundry. I give you permission to say, you can tell your spouse, Sabbath. Mm. <laughs> My wife's going to use that against me, by the way. Sabbath, buddy. <laughs> so for creation, from creation all the way to today, God stops for you. He does. See, if you feel like you're unlovable, he stops for you. If you feel that you're not worthy, he stops for you. If you feel like you're beyond forgiveness, he stops for you. If you feel unseen, he stops for you. If you feel unknown or overlooked, he stops for you. If you, if you feel like no one listens, he stops for you to listen. See, if you reach out to him, so mind you, there's the thing. The woman, for 12 years who had been bleeding, she reached out to him. She reached out to him. 
she, it wasn't one of these things that he went seeking her, but she reached out to him and he stopped for her. So here's the thing, he's stopping for you right now. He's, he, and that's what he's trying to do. He's like, I'm here, I'm stopping for you. So he walks with us, he stops for us, and finally he talks with us. And he talks to us. See, there's hundreds of times referenced in the Bible that God spoke to man. Hundreds of times. And see, in our story, he talks to the woman. And see, it, watch this progression as it goes. She goes from being ostracized to, being, to becoming part of the crowd, a daughter. The only time in Scripture where Jesus calls somebody daughter. It's the only time in Scripture that it happens. See, the lavish love your father labels of you as a child. That's what happens. That's the lavish love that happens. He, he comes out and he just pours it upon you. He calls you daughter. He calls you son. He calls you those things. Because he stops. He walks with us. He stops for us. He talks with us. And I know you might be thinking right now, Mike, what about the little girl that was dying? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> See, many times we think when Jesus is loving those around us that he's forgotten about us. See, that's what happens. Many times we think that, we, we think that Jesus is, oh, he's, he's showering Melissa with blessings and love and all that stuff, but he, he's forgotten Melinda. You know, and, and that's what we think. That's what we think, and, and that's the mindset, and that's how we walk. He's forgotten. But see, his love is bigger than that. See, the 12-year-old daughter dies. When you look at this, she dies. But when, when all hope is gone, he speaks to the little girl as well. And he took her by the hand and he said, my child, get up. So he says, see, your situation may appear dead, may appear hopeless. A relationship, an addiction, your finances. You may even feel like Jesus has stopped working on your situation and focused on somebody else. But let me tell you, he hasn't. Your heavenly father can handle it all. His love is big enough. <laughs> a woman and a little girl. Both who needed the love of a father. That's what it was. Who lived through incredible struggles and pain. Who made the choice to receive and believe that God is a loving father. So they made the choice of believing. He, see, he walks with you. He stops for you. He talks with you. But go back to this first John 3 1. It says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. <sighs> Think about this. Just just take a moment and go, where's your situation? Where are you dealing with? What's happening? Where's, where, and if you start looking and going, where's God in this situation? How about he's waiting for you? That's what he is. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to reach out. He's waiting for you to go, God, I, I, I'm going to reach out. Heal me. Be here for me. Take care of this. See, the, the, the thing is, is that as the church, that's what our responsibility is. That's what our responsibility is, is to, to embrace people, love them, and point them to Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who fixes. Jesus is the one who heals. Jesus is the one who counsels. Jesus is the one who does all the things that we think that we can do. Jesus. Move into that position 
of going, I'm going to reach out to Jesus now. I'm going to reach out into this new, this new direction, this new way, and I'm going to do what Jesus has asked me to do. Let's pray. Father, thank you. <sighs> thank you for today. Thank you for considering us sons and daughters. Really, you consider us princes and princesses. You, you, re- you look at us as royalty. You look at us as your, as your, as you look at us, each one of us, as, as a father. All we have to do is reach out. All we have to do is come running like the, the child of a father who walks in the door after a long day at work, runs out with our arms up and goes, Daddy. Father, help us, help us remove the daddy issues that we've had that have hindered us from running to you. Help us remove, help us remove all these obstacles that we've placed before seeking the Father. Help us remove everything that has prevented, <laughs> prevented us from loving this community, whether it's been their addictions, it's been their, their hurts, their hang-ups, because each one of us have had them as well. Father, walk with us. Walk with us because too often we think that we can walk alone and make it, but really, we need you with us. We need your counsel. We need your help. And we know that everything is better with a friend. Father, be the friend that, that we've run from. Be the friend that we've neglected. But just continue to be the consistent one that is always there for us. And when we reach out, that when we come running, that you're there to embrace us like the father of the prodigal son. you're there for us that you're just waiting for us to come to you to come home father we come home now father we 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 know that we've sinned that we've lost our way that we've that we've broken just the 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 relationship between us and what we'd love to do is we'd love to say forgive me i know that you've sent jesus to die for us that you sent him to be that sacrifice that that made us whole that 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 removed the separation between us. And I, and I asked to have him come back into my life and redirect my footsteps or reset my life. Or maybe I've never even asked for Jesus to be in my life, but I ask now that, that you allow me to move forward with you. That you allow me to move forward in this, this new direction, this new path, one of love, one without daddy issues, one, with, one that's full of mercy and full of trust. But more importantly, it's full of love, knowing that you love me. Father, I want that. If you prayed that with me right now, if you just prayed that, keeping your heads down, could you put a hand up? Could you put just say, I want this newness, I want this new love, I want this, this new life. I want, this, I want the old to be gone. I want, I, want a, I want the daddy issues gone. I want all of that away, and I want to be able to just have this newness with you. This new life. This new love. You can put your hands down. Father, I know that you are celebrating as those that have, it's just like the prodigal son coming home that we, we've killed the fattened calf and we're throwing a party and it's happening in heaven right now. Father, help us celebrate here today. Help us find joy in the little things. Help us find joy with one another. Help us love like we've never loved before. 
Father, thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.